So we're continuing down this um, discussion of Luke, this gospel. There's been a lot of really interesting passages that we've looked at. Last week, we heard about this guy named John the Baptizer. And he was this prophet who came preparing the way for Jesus. This prophet that was prophesied in Malachi. In Malachi 3.1, it said, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. John was quite a character, as we heard last week, wasn't he? He called out the religious leaders. Remember what he called them? He said, You brood of vipers. Boy, that'd go over well today, wouldn't it? You brood of vipers. He was a classic fire and brimstone preacher, calling people to repentance or face the consequences. Hell and damnation and the fires of hell. Whew. Pretty strong stuff, huh? But today we find this fiery preacher in prison. You see, he had gotten on the wrong side of the of the leader then, Herod. He had called he and, he and Herod's wife Herodias out because they were in a marriage that shouldn't have happened. So here's John sitting in prison. Sitting in this prison. And I just want to make sure you, you kind of picture this. This is not this nice, little, neat little prison that had cable TV and a, and a nice library to get books so you could read and an exercise workout area, and great food. More than likely, this was a filthy, dark, damp place, infested with critters and bugs. And he was given food that probably none of us would, would call, be call, calling it food. He was probably being per persecuted by the guards. Guards who had little regard for life. The Romans weren't known for their warm and fuzziness. And he had heard all these things about Jesus, but he was wondering if Jesus really was the one, the Messiah, the one who was prophesied. So we read that he sent a couple of his disciples to ask Jesus. Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? We talked a little bit about this in our earlier Bible study, but there's a couple of interpretations of this passage. One is, is that John really wasn't wavering in faith, and he was just sending his disciples to go get their faith strengthened by what Jesus said. But the second is what we believe that that John really was having sort of a um, crisis of his faith, a faith that was wavering. This strong man of faith, the one who God had called to prepare the way for Jesus, for the Messiah, was having a crisis of faith. In the difficult circumstances he, was, he found himself in, his faith was wavering. He was wondering. He was questioning. You relate to it? He was faithful. 
He had preached the news that he was told that he was due. He was following God's call in his life, and he was living out that sacrificial life of one faithfully doing God's will. But it didn't end well, did it? He was now in prison, only hearing second or maybe third hand about the words that Jesus had been teaching and the miracles that Jesus had been performing. Isn't it pretty amazing, this, this faithful man of God? Jesus actually even called him a prophet, but even more than a prophet. He said, Jesus was saying this was the greatest man ever to be born of woman. This man, this prophet, was wavering in his faith. And if you think about it, he had preached that the Messiah would be a fiery judge. He would be one that was coming in to bring judgment on everybody. But nothing he had heard about what Jesus had been doing pointed to that role. He was expecting this guy to come in and take names. Give out judgment. And what did he hear? Jesus was healing. Jesus was restoring. Jesus was doing all of those things, but he heard nothing about this fiery judge. Jesus wasn't fulfilling what he thought he was supposed to fulfill. Has your faith wavered any? Ever? I know mine has. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we know our faith has wavered at times. And sometimes it's just like John, right? It's because Jesus... Jesus isn't acting and doing the things like I had thought he was supposed to do, or like you had thought he was supposed to do. Us trying to be faithful and then, then dealing with the consequences of life, and it doesn't seem fair, that it just doesn't make sense. There's times that just aren't what we would expect to happen to people who are trying to be faithful to God. Jesus not being who we thought he should be through the difficulties. Yes, sometimes it doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't. But sisters and brothers, there is comfort in knowing that a man like John the baptizer experienced the same type of things and doubts that we do today. Times where we try our best and are faithful to what we believe God is calling us to do. But the situation doesn't turn out. Times where it doesn't seem like God is present or that he even hears our prayers or even that he's answering our prayers. Times when we really do ask the question, and this came up in our study earlier, why do bad things happen to good people? Wondering about God's love for his people. Because it doesn't look like the love that we think it should look like. 
I believe that's what this passage is talking about when it talks about people who are offended by Jesus. Those who are offended to Jesus isn't who they want him to be. And it's a stumbling block, isn't it, that Scripture talks about? Jesus is a stumbling block because he came and did what he knew was right, not what we had wanted him to do, or what those people at the time. And if we're really honest, life and circumstances do not make sense. Sickness, death, financial challenges, family strife, racial tensions, political strife, and so many other things in this world point to the difficulties of this life, even to the most faithful. even to the most faithful. So what's caused your faith to waver in the past? Or maybe it's causing your faith right now to be wavering a little. Hear what Jesus' response was to John the baptizer. This is a response for you too to listen to. Jesus answered them, these two that came and asked. Jesus said, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by, by me. You see, John was pointing these people right back to the Old Testament prophecies that John was so familiar with. You see, Isaiah 35 5 through 6 says that this Messiah would be healing the blind, the deaf, and the lame. But even more, it talks about him healing and cleansing the unclean and bringing life to the dead. Jesus talks of works much greater than those promised by the prophets. And then he cites from Isaiah 61.1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And the poor are those who can't do anything about their life, like you and I. The good news has been brought to you and I. Which is amazing. It's good news. <laughs> and then the climax of the whole thing, Jesus... It's really the one who's bringing the good news to those who realize they are spiritually empty, spiritually destitute. That's you and I, isn't it? Aren't we poor in our sinfulness? We are spiritually destitute. We are spiritually empty in our sinfulness. People in desperate need of new life, in desperate need of healing from our sin sickness. And the good news is, is that he's given it to us. We've given, he's given us the gift of Christ. His death on the cross healed us. His emptying of the tomb conquered death, so we no longer have to fear. Isn't that great news? And our, our word today, our God's word, the, the, the scripture that I talked to the kids about today, that's where we hear that good news. That's through and in his word, the inerrant, 
infallible word of God. It's in his word that he tells us that, that great news. But you know, he didn't stop there, did he? How many of you heard the, heard the saying, actions speak louder than words? Anybody? Yeah. It's told to me many times as a kid. <laughs> maybe you parents use that sometimes, maybe, in the past. Jesus gave us his words, but he also took action. His action spoke lives for you and I. You see, Jesus came into this world to save. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. And he opens your eyes to his truths. He opens your ears. He makes it so you can hear the beautiful words of God through his word, the good news. You get to hear about the sacrifice of cleanse of, of Christ and how it cleansed you from the filth of sin. You are freed from the captivity of sin. You've been given new life in the waters of baptism in your faith. And not only have you got the words of life, but you also get to see God's work in your lives and others. And I think it's fascinating because that's what Jesus told the disciples. Jesus told the disciples, John's disciples, that they had seen God's miracles. Brothers and sisters, we have seen God's work in our lives and in other people's lives around us. So we have his word, but we also see him working in very real ways around us in actions. Every day of our lives, we get to see and experience God's grace and his goodness. So we have the words, but we also see the action here of God's love in this world. As I was getting ready for this today, I started thinking about how the Bible uses words like born into new life, that you're born into new life, that you are adopted into his family. Ever thought about those words? It's an important thing to think about because in those words, what we understand is this good news is not dependent on you. It's all dependent on God. We don't have a part in gaining our salvation. Just like a child who is adopted, did they have a choice in that? No. What about a child who's born? Did that child have a choice in being born? No. It was all God's work that we were born again, that we were brought into his family. And what's interesting is what Jesus said to the people, and he says to you and I right now, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Did you hear what Jesus said in this? The one who is least is greater than John. Let me just make sure you understand, he's not discounting John. He's not detracting from what he says about John. You know what? John didn't get to see the rest of the story, did he? He was beheaded before Jesus fulfilled the promises. And we are the least in the kingdom, but he's talking about you and I, the ones who know what Jesus did on the cross. 
We know that he emptied the tomb. We know that he had come again to make all things new. He's talking about the eternal glory that all believers will enjoy in heaven. You and I, as his people. He's redirecting you and I from questions of earthly greatness to the surpassing joys of heaven. And these are given to you solely because of Christ's work. You've been given eternal life of Jesus. And you can look forward to the joys of heaven where there will be no more tears. There will be no more trials and tribulations. And in the meantime, aren't we blessed because we get to see God at work around us? We could see him transforming ourselves to be more like him and we see his work spreading grace and love and mercy to those around us through us and through other people as he works and uses us in the restoration and reclamation of this world as he ushers in his kingdom on earth the kingdom that will be fulfilled and totally restored when he comes again so we get to look forward to that don't we? Brothers and sisters, praise be to God for all he has done for us and all he will do.